Well, I have uh, the great pleasure of um, introducing to you <laughs> Dave Koch from Grahamstown, stroke Bakunda, I think. And uh, it's a great joy to invite him to come and share that which God has laid on his heart. A unique character, the unique calling, building a unique people. Let's welcome him with a round of applause. <laughs> I just want to thank my mom and dad for making all of this possible. <laughs> if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be here today. I love this family. I just love these moments. It reminds me that of the end that we win. Like when you get together like this, you're just aware that Jesus is on the throne. You become aware that he is at work. In worship, I was reminded of that scripture in Matthew 16 where Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. Do you believe that? Do you believe that Jesus is busy building his church, that he is at work? I tell you, the good news there is that Jesus is really good at what he does. And uh, I, I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I'm ready to be built some more. I, I'm, uh, in Grahamstown, we are busy in a series in the book, through the book of Acts called um, Church Uncontained. Uh, someone came up to me and said, you do realize that in the dictionary, there's no such word as uncontained. I said, yes, that's how uncontained we are. <laughs> but friends, that's the church that Jesus is building. Is that we're not contained by the gates of hell. We push back the gates of hell. And I feel that God wants to do something of that this, this week. He wants to strengthen us again, envision us, and uh, give us a clear understanding that, that He is the God who wins this battle. Uh, and the church is the place, friends, where, where heaven touches earth. And so I, I would like to speak this evening on, on three things that I think are going to help us really grow into being that church that pushes back the gates of hell. And that is, and it's the title of my sermon, is, is Hope, Inheritance, and Power. And so I wonder if I could ask you to please turn with me in your life-changing Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. While you're doing that, I'm going to just quote Ephesians chapter 3 verse 10. It says this, His intent is that now, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known. God has, his plan is, is through the church to push back the gates of hell. Through the church, he's going to bring his kingdom crashing into this world. And the book of Ephesians is just a thrilling unveiling of how God is busy uniting a people, filling them with his presence and his power, and then sending us to push back the forces of darkness and to extend his kingdom throughout the earth. Now, for us to be that kind of people, we're going to need to grow in these three things of understanding our hope, inheritance, and power. So let's read that one, um, uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Verse uh, scripture. I'm going to read from verse 15. Ephesians 1 15 says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he has called you, 
the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints and the incomparably great power that's available to us who believe. Paul's praying with great joy. He is celebrating over these people because he knows that in the gospel, we have a great hope, a glorious inheritance, and access to incomparably great power. I want to just look at hope first of all. Do you know the hope to which you've been called? I remember when I was in my 20s, probably about two or 300 years ago, I went to a leader's training time and equipped something like this in the, uh, on the island of Madagascar. And it was being hosted by a man by the name of Peter Howard Brown. I had worked with Peter before when he was in Peter Maritzburg, and we knew each other well, but he was hosting this, this big event, and he was busy organizing a lot of things, and he was attending to all these very important people. So when I rocked up to this uh, uh, equip, I found a seat somewhere in the back. I was just getting, just gonna, I was going to sit down and just, just learn. But Pete wasn't having any of it. Right from the front, before he started proceedings, he, he, caught, he caught my eye and he shouted, Davy, come sit over here. And, and so everybody turns around to have a look at who Davy is. And, and Davy walks all the way down and he sits me right in the front next to the main speaker. Man, I felt 10 foot tall. I felt I could run through brick walls. I could leap over buildings with one bound. I almost leant over to that main speaker and I said, listen, if you need a break, I can take this one. (laughs) Why? Because him whose opinion counts put his arm around me and hugged me and said, this one's mine. Friends, do you understand that the person whose opinion really counts in this universe The Lord Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, has put his arm around you and said, this one's mine. Do you you understand that? That that is the hope that you now stand in. That is what you live in. You're standing in a very secure place. Friends, you're in team with Jesus. That's very good news because Jesus is invincible. Colossians chapter 1, verse 16 says, for in him... All things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers, rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him, through Jesus, and you are in Jesus. It's a good place to be. He's phenomenally powerful. You see, the hope that you have is that you're in Jesus. He's phenomenally powerful, unbelievably loving and committed to you, deeply committed to you. Uh, John chapter 15, verse 13. It says, greater love has no one than this than to lay down one's life for one's friends. You see, so he's incredibly powerful and he's unbelievably caring towards you and invested in you. That's a very safe place that you stand in. This is where you operate from. And on top of that, Romans 11 verse 13, sorry, verse 33, shows that Jesus is supremely wise. It says, oh, the depths of of the riches of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable his judgments and paths beyond tracing out. So he's got the whole blueprint. He understands everything. He's deeply committed to you. He's supremely powerful. You're in him. That is an incredible hope. 
that you stand in. That's where you operate from. That's not where you operate to. You see, Jesus came and found you, put his arm around you, said, this one's mine. Very safe place that you operate from. Now, I've got a confession to make. In the light of all of this, I still get a bit nervous. You see, because in my partnership with God, there are two parts. There's God's part and there's my part. Now, God's part, I'm not worried about. You see, God is good at what he does. It's my part that I'm worried about. You see, because I happen to know my shortcomings. Even though I'm incredibly handsome and, and very, uh, no, I, I know the sin that's in my heart. I know how I've fallen short. I know my shortcomings. I'm talking about after I got saved. See, the good news is that Jesus is really good at his part and he helps me with my part. Philippians chapter one and verse six says that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. That's good news. So what was the good work that he began in you? It was rescuing you. He started that process. He'll carry it on to completion. Um, Hebrews chapter 11 verse 14 says that by one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. So there's this process of being made holy, and that's a very slow process. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe it's just me. Like I can pretend to be holy, easy. But living it out, I struggle with that. Two steps forward, one step back. But, the, but the, he, what does it say? By one sacrifice, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. He's doing the being made holy. Friends, this is a secure place that we stand in. You see, even though I'm good at falling, he's even better at keeping me from falling than I am at falling. Jude chapter one, verse 24 says, now unto him who's able to keep you from falling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. That's good news. So I'm good at falling, but as good as I am, he's even better at stopping me from falling. Friends, do you understand that's the hope that we operate from? I'm not saying we're not going to have some bumps and bruises along the way. I'm not saying we're going to have a, a, a hassle-free life. But I'm saying we're going to do all of that with God. I, I, I love that, you know, because even this hope helps us in the valleys and in the victories. So in the valleys, even though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you're with me. Friends, I, I think God is preparing a church it's got hope. You know, if you look at this world, with the, in all the chaos that's happening and, and the unsettledness that's happening in, this, in the middle of these, these times, they, are, they have no hope. And there's one thing that we have a lot of if our eyes are opened, and that's hope. And that's what Paul's praying for the church. He's not praying, oh, Lord, give them hope. This poor church, they're so hopeless, give them hope. He's praying, Lord, open their eyes to see the hope that they have, that they're standing in already. It's not going to come. We're in Jesus now. And Jesus is powerful. But friends, that's not all. You, you see, it's, it, it's, it's from this place of hope, Jesus says, okay, once you understand that, now the adventure opens up to you. There's that sense of courage and joy once you have hope. 
He says, once you, you're living in that hope and, and you're walking in it, that, that's when the fun really starts. That's when the Christian adventure really starts because now you can take a swing at things. Now you can give it a go. And, and the next thing that Paul prays for this church with great joy, so the, going back to that one, uh, uh, Ephesians 1 verse scripture, uh, scripture um, I'm going to go from verse 18. Um, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which you have been called and the glorious riches of his inheritance in the saints. You've got an inheritance. God says, I've got things for you. And that inheritance is found in ministering to other people. That's the inheritance God's got for you. That's where the fun really happens. Um, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8, Paul says, now we really live. He says, now we've hit our straps. Now, now we are walking in this is, we, we're in the pound seats now. Now we really live. Why? Just because you're standing firm in the faith. So, so Paul's sense of joy and the, and the sense of life is found in other people growing in, 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 in their knowledge and their experience of Jesus Christ. Since you're standing firm in the faith. It's, that's where the fun happens. It's found in ministering to people. And, and the church is a beautiful thing. See, because this is where you get to discover your gifts and operate in them. This is a safe place where you learn how to, how to, how to walk in, in, in God's calling on your life and ministering to people and make some glorious mistakes. This is where you get to give the, 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 the elders and those leading meetings just terrible, like a, a consternation as you come forward for, with a prophetic word and you say, thus saith the Lord, but you're not really sure if it was God or not. And they have to figure out, was it God or not? But you give it a swing. This is the place where you learn how to do that. And you learn how to grow in these things so that you can take it onto the world with courage and love and joy. Do you know that Elvis Presley learned how to sing in the local church? Do you know that? That's where he got his courage from. He was singing on Sunday nights. He was rocking it with the daisies. And then he learned actually he can take this thing onto the massive stage. Took his eyes off Jesus and problems. But I think God's got that for you. I think there, there are gifts and talents here that God is wanting to open up. I often say to people, listen, you know, if you get the opportunity to go to church, go as often as you can. Go regularly and go deep. So what do you mean by deep? To so go and either get ministered to or minister to someone else, preferably both in the same time. Same meeting. Sometimes it's more one than the other. But don't just attend. Go, go minister to someone. Man, I remember when I first got saved. I, I, every single time there was a response call to the preach, I went forward. They said, anybody here wanting to grow in their Christianity, that's me. I'd go to the front. Let's get prayed for. That's wonderful. People want to learn how to, how to just expand their business. I didn't even have a business. But I would go. I'd say, yeah, I, I, I feel I need to know. they say, listen, are there anybody who's wanting to fall pregnant? I feel God, won't you come forward? I said, no, that's me. I said, but you're a man. I said, I thought it was metaphorical. You know, like, let's pray. I feel like God wants to do something inside of me. He wants to birth. Whatever they said you need prayer for, I said, yeah, I'm sure I fit into that category somewhere. Eventually they said, listen, enough of that. You can just become an elder now and you can start praying over people. So I said, okay, I'll do that. Anybody want to know what thus saith the Lord is? I've got a few ideas. 
I want to encourage you, go deep. You, I mean, even now, you could say, God, give me something for someone else. There's someone who needs encouragement. There's somebody who needs a word from you. I, could you give that to me? Even now, you could pray under your breath, through your mask, people wouldn't even hear you. Maybe the person next to you. I better go on quickly before they show another clip or something. If the preach starts lagging. I want to encourage you, friends. His intent is that now, through the church, through you, God wants to make his manifold wisdom known. In your frailty, in your not having it all together, just knowing that Jesus has it together is enough. Let's risk it from there. And you minister to the person next to you. I love the scripture in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 19. It says, what is our hope or, or our joy or the crown in which you will glory in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. Isn't that wonderful? Paul's saying, man, when I get to heaven and there's a massive celebration, God's going to say, this person is built up and healed and strengthened because you prayed. You took them a meal. You encouraged them. You invited them to church. They saved because of your investment in their life. That's what we're going to celebrate, friends. And we get to do that now. You've got a glorious inheritance, friends. It's the people around you. It's the people in your work, in your, in your, in your university, in your schools. That you have an inheritance. And Paul doesn't pray, oh Lord, these poor people, can you give them an inheritance? He says, open their eyes so that they can see the inheritance that's around them. All around you, there are people. People who God wants to minister to. And he wants to do it through you. Listen, things are getting more tricky. The, the darkness is increasing. But friends, this is the time for the church to shine. When God calls, you want to answer. I was going to say something really important. When I, when I was a youngster, I was probably about six, five or six, my parents bought me a torch for Christmas. In those days, you, you know, you, we didn't have very complicated presents. It was, a, it was one of a number of things, but uh, they had this torch. Man, oh, well, the first thing you do, you get your torch, you open it up and you shine around. But it was the morning already, it was light, nothing was happening. So it's not a very clever present, this one. But that nice, that's when I saw the tor torch come alive. Main light is off in my bed. It was on. It was off. It's in the darkness that the light really makes a difference. And I want to tell you that, that actually now is our time where we're going to start seeing the true church rise and shine. And, the, and our shining is going to be ministering to people and bringing the hope of the Lord into this world. You are that torch that I had in my bed. Well, you more than. Anyway, you're the light that God wants to shine into this world. So friends, there's this incredible hope that we operate from. There's an inheritance God got for us. I'm telling you, in this auditorium, there are churches to be planted, church leaders. 
here, sitting here tonight, people who, who are going to spearhead the work, there are people, there are gifts here at work uh, that, that God is awakening again. These times are very useful. This is an incredibly important seedbed of just awakening. Uh, be, be very sensitive to the prophetic because I, I think there's some significant shifts that are happening. There's just for years and years you prayed, nothing happened. You thought something's going to crack open. And I think times like this are significant for that. You've got an inheritance and it's not for just oh, sometime, never. No, no, no. God's saying, I'm reminding you of it. I'm calling you to it. So we've got this inheritance. But for us to step into it, we need power. Having just, oh, I'd love to, or good intentions is not enough. We need the power of God. And that's what Paul prays over this church. And he's praying over you. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints, and the incomparably great power that's available to us who believe. Just, you believe in Jesus. Your hope is in Jesus. There's a power God's got for us. I remember the first time in, in one of our meetings that a, 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 a demon manifested. I got such a fright. I, I, I wanted to call the pastor. Only problem is I was the pastor. <laughs> I got such a fright, I don't know what to do. So I told the demon to shut up, and I told the person to get control of themselves, and I said, let's have some tea and everyone go home. And that poor person went home with the same demon that they came with. That's not God's plan. Let me tell you what God's plan is. Luke chapter 10 verse 19. I, Jesus Christ speaking to you, have given you the authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. That's his plan. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 says that his divine power has given you everything you need for a godly life. Now, a godly life is morality, but that's not all it is. You see, I don't even like the word morality. I do like being moral, but I like thinking of being more healthy, more free, and more mature. That is the godly life. Very good. But that's not the sum total of a godly life. A godly life is a life in partnership with God. That when he's doing something, you get into step with him. You get into line with him. And I happen to know that God is busy doing a lot more things than making you more healthy, free, and mature. There's power. Power to push back the gates of hell, to cast out demons. I'm telling you, there are people sitting in this auditorium. Even as I'm speaking, you're thinking, I wonder if I should learn how to cast out a demon. If you are thinking that now, I'm saying, yes, you should. Because you can't suddenly call the pastor. Right there and then, it doesn't say, okay, who's the pastor here? I'll listen to him. It says it, it recognizes the authority of Jesus Christ, not even our authority, Jesus' authority that we walk in. But you need to learn some things now because you're going to be in a situation where you, need, you don't want to be like me. You want to know what to do there in that moment. Paul doesn't pray, oh, Lord, your church is so anemic. Please give them more power. He says, oh, Lord, open their eyes that they may see the hope to which they've been called, the glorious riches of their inheritance in his holy people, and the incomparably great power that's available to those who believe. If you want to grow in power, 
Because I think that's, that's part of the Christian life. Acts 1 verse 8 says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be my witnesses. You will minister who Jesus is and what he's done and bring that to bear on situations in your life and those around you. If you want to grow in power, I, I suggest two things. Number one, get a higher view of Jesus Christ of who he is and what he accomplished on that cross for you and for this world. Get a higher view of Jesus and what he's doing. Who he is, what he's done, and what he's busy doing now. Understand that. I would start with that. And the second thing is grow in love. Because where there's love, there is power. Let me explain this, and I'll end with this, and you won't have to show that clip because the preacher's lagging. In in Acts chapter 3, Uh, We see Peter and John on their way to a prayer meeting. Listen, if you get a chance to go to a prayer meeting, go to a prayer meeting. It's good things. Things happen even on the way to prayer meetings. Peter and John are going to this prayer meeting. On the way there, they see this lame man, and he holds out his hand. he, He asks for some money, and Peter says, listen, silver and gold I do not have, but in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk, raises him to his feet. And he went walking and leaping and praising God. It's amazing. Someone should write a song like that. It's so exciting. So this happens on this way to the prayer meeting. But here's my point. When they are called to account, so so this guy gets healed, there's amazement, there's commotion, and they preach the gospel in the middle of the situation. Then they get arrested for their troubles. And and then they're called in front of the Sanhedrin, the parliament and the the Jewish leaders, and they they say, you know, explain what happened. And this is how Peter explains it. He says, he says, if Acts 4 verse 9, he says, if we've been called to account today for an act of kindness shown to this man who was lame and who is now healed. Now, isn't that interesting? How would you refer to that when you're describing? We would say that supernatural work, that, that sign and that wonder, that just was so exciting. Scripture calls that healing of that man an act of kindness, The Bible calls it, when God's power breaks in, an act of kindness. And when we start looking at people who are in great need, who need acts of kindness, it changes our hearts and our mind and the way we look at things. We're not just waiting for the supernatural to break in. No, we we want acts of kindness to take place. I have a question. Do you think God's finished doing acts of kindness? I don't think so. And, and so as we start growing in that and looking at God's terminology around these things, he's saying, it's an act of kindness. I want that person healed and restored. God's not praying, oh, Lord, please give this church power. Sorry, Paul's not praying that. He's praying, Lord, let them have a revelation of the power that is available to them. This is the time, friends, that in our uncertainty and this lack of understanding everything and in the mystery and our inadequacies and our brokennesses, God says, come, rise up. Fix your eyes on me, the author and the perfecter of your faith, and run with perseverance, the race marked out for you. I, I honestly believe, when I was preparing for this time, 
that one of the acts of kindness that God is wanting to do, even here tonight in people's hearts and lives, is to break the power of depression and discouragement. I, I believe that that is something God's wanting to do. He's, he's looking to just break a few things, open up because there's a running that God's got planned for you, and a breakthrough and a courage and a joy in your prayer life that's been hindered by the enemy's work of discouragement and depression. I would go so far as to say that, that actually there's a demonic force of oppression. I know there's more to it, and I have no problem with, with psychologists. I have no problem, but I'm telling you there's an enemy who really enjoys depression over, over anybody, but particularly the saints of God. Because then you don't step out. You do not take risks when you're discouraged and depressed. Listen, I've been depressed. I know what it's like. God does not want his people contained in depression. I think there's an act of kindness that's busy at work. You, even now, and some of you are aware of this, saying, oh, Lord, please let it be me. I'm tired of this. I think God's hearing those prayers. I, I believe that God is wanting just to just open something up because there's a t- the time for, for running is now. He wants you to just risk it with your prophetic words. He wants to risk it with you. When you're not discouraged and depressed, you're going to open up your home again. You're going to invite people around. You're going to just bless them and love on them because you'll be less self-conscious, less exhausted. Just everything is exhausting when you are depressed and discouraged. God wants to break it tonight. I believe this. I, I believe this. So I, I'm, 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 I, I'd like to, can I pray, Richard? It would be, be okay. Can I ask you to stand to your feet? There's something um, just assertive about being in a stand. <clears throat> just as we we fix our eyes on just the throne of grace. The Lord says we must come boldly to the throne of grace, not because our feelings say so, but because Jesus has done this incredible work. Just just your eyes upon the Lord. Don't look at me. Some people here who say, no, well, I've prayed. I have prayed. It's not like I haven't prayed. Yeah, maybe you've prayed a hundred times. Well, well, tonight we want to pray a hundred and one times. But I, I don't know. I just know that by the grace of God, the, the power of depression was broken off me. And I, I, I am keenly aware that the Lord is angry with depression. Not with you, with the depression that settles on you. I'm keenly aware that the Lord is is wanting you to just breathe in that hope. Get excited about your inheritance and thank him for his power. If that's you today, why don't you just know in your heart to say, Lord, that's me. Put yourself just in your mind's eye, in your sanctified imagination. Put yourself in the arms of Jesus. Allow your, your eyes to see his arm around you, him hugging you. This one's with me. You with him. 
Lord, I want to pray for such an awareness, Lord, that you're Emmanuel, God with us. That even though we go through the valley of the shadow of death, we don't have to fear any evil because you are with us. But Lord, we go through the valley. We don't live in the valley. We don't stay there forever. You are taking us through. And I want to thank you, Lord, that today, there are, tonight here, there are people that you are taking out of the valley. You are taking them through. You're taking them through. You, 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 they've experienced the pain and the difficulty. They'll be able to minister to those who've struggled with this, but you are taking them out. This is, does not have the final say on their life. You have the final say on their life, and you speak life over them. And so I prophesy life over you in the name of Jesus Christ. I speak life. I speak light in that darkness. I thank you, Father, for hope, even now that is filling hearts and minds. An awareness of, of your presence, the reality of your presence and your power, Lord Jesus. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for the good work that you've begun. You are carrying on to completion. Even in our brokenness and weakness, and we're not sure, Lord, we can, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved, will be healed, will be restored, will be delivered. Everyone. I thank you for that, Lord. Lord, I thank you that you are breaking iron chains now. Hopelessness going. In the name of Jesus Christ.